0: Welcome to Off the Cuff with Congressman Jared Huffman. As a representative for California's 2nd Congressional District, Off the Cuff is my opportunity to talk with you about important issues and to introduce you to interesting people from the 2nd District and beyond. I always say that I'm fortunate to represent America's most beautiful congressional district, California's great north coast, from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Oregon border. And together, with positive discussions and open dialogue, I know we can make our community an even better place to call home. It's unfiltered, it's direct, and it's honest. It's Off the Cuff with me, Congressman Jared Huffman. Hi everybody, this is Jared Huffman, and I am thrilled to be with you here on the inaugural episode of Off the Cuff, my new podcast. I'm very excited to share with you some thoughtful conversations we're going to have with all sorts of people from Washington to California's 2nd District, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts and questions and addressing them here on the podcast. So, our first episode features a conversation I had with Bill Press. Now, Bill is, of course, a former Crossfire host, talk radio host of The Bill Press Show. He's a liberal political commentator and former chairman of the California Democratic Party. What some of you may not know is he's also a constituent of mine because he lives part-time in Marin County. But first, I want to talk a little about where we are right now as a nation. Now, since November 8th, I've been thinking a lot about how Californians and my colleagues in Congress and myself ought to respond to our new political reality. And it seems to me that California is more important than ever. California has always been a leader in the fight for equality, in protecting the environment, standing up for seniors, children, immigrants, minority populations. We have to continue that work. But with even more vigor. I'm looking forward to opportunities to work with the new administration if we can find reasonable opportunities to do that. But look, I think we're going to have to also be ready for some fights and we're going to have to defend our core values whenever they are on the chopping block. I think by working together through actions big and small, all of us as Californians and as Americans are going to find a way to come together and maintain forward progress no matter what we face in the months and years ahead. So with all of that said, I'm excited to turn now to my recent conversation with Bill Press. So Bill Press, welcome to uh, my very first podcast.
1: Uh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And thanks for all the good work you do for us. Yeah, we feel very lucky to be so well represented.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, I guess I should start by asking you what we're all asking ourselves uh, in the wake of this seismic event that has uh, moved the political ground beneath us. Um, What does it mean, Uh, the incoming Trump administration, uh, Republicans having uh, both houses of Congress uh, as we go forward? What's your take?
1: I just think it's going to be a rough road ahead for the next, for the next four years um, uh, in many, many ways that people haven't even begun to consider yet. Uh, on, you know, on the Supreme Court level, uh, a lot of the protections that we were starting to count on, even from a conservative Roberts court, um, I think are going to be reversed. Uh, certainly, there will be every attempt to reverse them. Uh, I think Obamacare could soon be, his, such as we know it, could soon be history. Uh, The progress that this president has made toward climate change, um, particularly the the Paris uh, Accord, I think is going to be reversed, and uh, the Iran nuclear deal, for example, the openings to Cuba, so many advances in so many directions. Uh, if If they're not totally undone, it won't be because Donald Trump hasn't tried to do them, because I think what we see is, systematically, he is nom- naming people to his administration who are the exact opposite and have been the longtime uh, chief opponents of every piece of this legislation. from Betsy DeVos for Education, who's the enemy of private school, public schools, to Tom Price, who's the
0: enemy of
1: Obamacare. Uh, And these
0: climate deniers that we're going to see
1: an EPA administrator who will immediately, I think, move to repeal EPA's rules on coal fired power plants and reverse uh, any progress toward um, toward uh, climate change, dealing with climate change. One of the things that I'm really worried about as a Californian is I think we'll see a secretary of the interior who will want to reopen offshore drilling off the coast of California. So I think it's going to be a rough road ahead. Elections have consequences, and boy,
0: are we learning it. So uh, I I fear that you may be right. Those are battles that I certainly feel like I need to get ready for. I hope so. You are not in any way placated by uh, how coy Trump himself has been in speaking about these various things. For example, he's... He's seemingly left himself additional room on the Paris Climate Accord, on the Iran nuclear, even on keeping parts of Obamacare. But uh, it sounds to me, Bill, like you're reading more into the people that he is appointing and their long and clear record on these things, as opposed to the the vague language that he's thrown out for the media.
1: Well, I, uh, in in the media, uh, um, being very involved for the last year and a half in all of these discussions about issues, I learned not to believe anything that Donald Trump says. And I'm more interested—I'm following his actions more than his words. His, if he were really interested, for example, I think, in preserving the core of Obamacare, because—and I wasn't a big fan of Obamacare in the first place. I, 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 I'm a single parent. guy. You,
0: you and I are both uh, Medicare for all guys. Exactly.
1: Yeah. OK. Um, and we'll get there someday. I think we will. No, we will. Yeah. We will. It's yeah. the only way to go. Uh, and in fact, now there are really only two options. There's either Medicare for all or the put the insurance companies totally back where we were, put the insurance companies in charge. So in a sense, that simplified. it. But if you were really interested, I think, in preserving what works for Obamacare, the, the fact that young people can stay on their, their parents' uh, uh, insur- insurance until they're 26. The fact that they can't deny you for pre existing kitchen. We, we both could go down the list. I think he would not have appointed a Tom Price. I mean, Tom Price is a, was a chief opponent, as you know, in the Congress for two years. And ever since then, he's the one who led 65 votes in the House Republican caucus to repeal it. That's not a middle of the road guy. He's definitely not. Same thing I served with on education. the budget
0: committee with him, and, and I, I saw him do some of that work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on, on any number of these fronts, uh, as a House Democrat, I will, uh, we're not gonna just roll over, obviously. We're gonna push back and we're gonna try to hang on to important provisions of the Affordable Care Act and we're gonna fight like heck if, uh, uh, if the new president tries to pull us out of uh, international uh, agreements and accords, whether it's the Paris deal or the, actually the, there were earlier agreements on ozone and other things that were kind of the, the foundation of the Paris deal. So um, have you got any thoughts on how congressional Democrats should approach those battles so that Trump doesn't just run the table on all these issues?
1: Uh, well, I've never served in Congress. I wouldn't pretend to, I, I mean, to be giving members of Congress advice. I'd I, I hesitate to do that. But I would just hope as a constituent uh, of yours and as an American uh, and as a Democrat that Democrats in Congress would fight like hell and really um, use every... Every tool available, if that means a filibuster in the Senate, uh, or I don't know what the House version of that might be. Let me just mention one other battle. Um, Tom Price is also determined to privatize Medicare. Oh yeah, and that's get coming soon, and that's going to come soon. He sa- he has said that within the first six to eight months of his time as HHS Secretary, he would like to totally uh, gut Medicare and turn it into a private voucher system. Now. That's that's a royal battle. That's a battle worth fighting on behalf of millions and millions of Americans. I think politically, it's suicide for Republicans. Um, but I I think that Democrats ought to realize that uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, and these programs that they're talking about attacking are very popular programs among in red states and blue states among Democrats and Republicans. And if you talk about Really fighting, which I think that we Democrats have to get really back to making sure we are the party of working class Americans and middle class Americans. These are the kind of battles, I think, that will let people know whose side we're on. And therefore, even though Democrats are in the minority, we'll be able to accomplish more and have more of an impact than they think today. Well, that's so, certainly exactly like
0: what uh, Leader Pelosi has been saying that we need to get started on right now. and now that we've got our Democratic leadership election over with and and uh, coming back together a little bit for the battle ahead, I, I think that's going to be the first fight. You're absolutely right. But it raises an interesting question. So we talk about the the fights between Democrats and Republicans, but um, it's not clear to me that there's going to be consensus between the Trump administration and House Republicans on some of these big issues with Medicare, Social Security. Trump promised very clearly previously that he would not touch those programs.
1: Uh, it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> uh, the, uh, the fact that Republicans control both houses and the White House doesn't mean they're all going to be singing from the same songbook, for sure. So what are some of the Look fault the,
0: lines you see there, because well, it's not the, just Democrat-Republican here?
1: No. Uh, and, and, and I hope we'll have a chance to talk about some differences on the Democratic side, too. But on the Republican side, let's start with the trade issues. I mean. Um, President Obama would not have gotten TPP fast track authority from Democrats. He didn't get it from he got it with Republican votes, almost exclusively in the Senate. Uh, I think what Donald Trump tries to undo uh, or to to undo some of these previous trade deals that he's going to meet in a lot of opposition from stalwart people, who, Republicans, Republicans. Who've, always, who've always supported these. Um, I I also think on some basic fundamental constitutional issues. I was struck by the fact that even Mitch McConnell said, flag burning? Of course it's protected speech.
0: You may not like it, but it's protected speech. But do you think Trump was serious about that, or was he just trying to change the subject? No. Uh, I, I think he's just this
1: old guy who woke up was sitting in bed watching Fox TV and saw a story about flag-burning, and then picked up his phone and tweeted. Like oh, a, I
0: have a much more sinister... Uh, <laughs> I, I think he didn't like the heat he was starting to get for his the, business conflicts of interest and his but, controversial so appointments. So change the subject. So throw a tweet out about yeah. flag-burning and grab a news cycle. And guess what? The cable television fell for it. They bite every that, time. Yeah, that, You're in national it. media. How, what, how can you uh, explain the, the, the compliance uh, with, some with Trump's who, strategy? Well,
1: there's some people who think that cable television has... Ruined American politics. It certainly has changed it. And the fact is, and I mean, I am a contributor to CNN. You know, I don't run CNN. <laughs> <laughs> I don't determine their programming. But they've got a lot of time to fill, and they need kind of sensational stuff to fill that time so there's because a codependency that, here that gets eyeballs, and they see something like that, and they it's the, it's the new flashy thing, and they and they just all run for it. But anyhow, on the trade deals, I think on some basic constitutional things, uh, I think sometimes some, I, I think the Republicans in Congress might have a, a better sense of some really political third rails, where if Trump goes too far, I think that they might get some, some pushback. So, some
0: Muslim, pushback. Muslim registry.
1: Muslim registry, I don't see that. That's f- f- flying. Uh, I'm not even sure Congress is willing to put up the money to pay for the fence if Mexico doesn't pay for it, which Mexico
0: is not. Well, that's But that's the, the fiscal hawk saying, fault line, too, because sure. Trump, Trump yeah. doesn't seem particularly concerned about it. And on jobs, right? Now, he's,
1: we're not sure exactly how he's going to approach it, but one approach that he started talking about was, look, money is cheap today, interest rates are low, we'll just borrow as much money as we can and spend a trillion dollars creating jobs.
0: That's pretty Keynesian. That's uh, it is. Paul Krugman.
1: It is. And I would love to see it, but I think Republicans in Congress might say, wait a minute, that's not us, right? Yeah. Let's do it a different way. Let's give let's give companies a tax break and, and count on them to do it, which is never going to happen. Right. So. so
0: I don't think we've ever had an incoming president of the United States that has allowed expectations to soar so high uh, as our president-elect and all of the hundreds of promises he's made and the specificity uh, and the the speed with which he has guaranteed some of these things. What is your sense as someone that's been a political commentator for an awfully long time? How how long of a honeymoon period will this president be allowed before uh, the law of gravity uh, begins to take effect?
1: Well, I I would say that I don't think we've had a president where expectations have soared so high and are going to crash so low so soon. Uh, with Donald Trump, because um, uh, I think he's not going to be able to... I, maybe this is wishful thinking, that he's not going to be able to deliver half of what he, of what he promised. Certainly some of these promises
0: of, just seem undeliverable. Well, we talked you're about not going to bring the coal industry back. You're not right. going to you're not gonna take uh, the Rust Belt back to uh, the, the old economy overnight.
1: No, you can't do what he's doing for Carrier. Uh, which is less than meets the eye. Uh, yeah, we, want, we we all want to keep those two thousand jobs in Indiana, so they're still exporting a, a thousand of them. He's going to keep a thousand of them here, apparently, because he's going to give buy them off, basic, give them federal contracts to keep those. You can't do that for every s- single business. Uh, and I and think repealing
0: Obamacare is trickier than it sounds too. So, it is. I mean, the, yeah. The, Right. The, the top handful of promises are all fraught with complexity and, and difficulty. And certainly, you know, my colleagues and I will be battling him every step of the way. Yeah.
1: You know, we haven't talked about the Democratic Party. I think the Democratic Party is going to have some challenge, has some challenges.
0: Tell too. me your thoughts about that. We just finished a leadership election in the Democratic caucus. There is, uh, you know, I liken it. I'm an old athlete. I think about being in a locker room after a tough loss. Yeah. And you see all the same stuff in the Democratic caucus, people kicking chairs, yelling expletives, trying to find scapegoats. Uh, but we're, we're sort of working through it, and uh, that venting is occurring. We've reaffirmed Nancy Pelosi as our leader, but frankly with a, a less than resounding vote yeah. and, and a lot of uh, discontent. What's your, your read on where this is heading?
1: I was really... Um Uh, energized by the challenge that Tim Ryan made to Nancy. And if I were there, I would have voted for Nancy. I don't know how you voted, but I would have, because Nancy's a long friend. She's a great leader, I believe. But I I thought, after the shellacking that we took on November 8th, not to have, to just move forward without taking at least two weeks to say, okay, where are we going and who are we going with and what direction? I thought it was very healthy to to have that challenge. And I, you know... Good for Nancy for winning with two-thirds of the vote. Good for Tim Ryan for getting 63 votes, yeah. right? I think it, was, it, it came out. So the answer me. to your question okay. I, I
0: was pretty much as you said you would have been. I, I supported Nancy, but I found myself uh, applauding a lot of the things that Tim Ryan was saying, and right. I think it was healthy. So, yeah, I, so I hope now, that it sets in motion some uh, some refreshing of our message and a sharpening of our focus. Well,
1: first of all, for the House, I think it does provide some some, some new opportunities for new leadership and younger leadership, which I think is great. But I hope that now carries over to the Democratic Party itself. The party's got to do some real soul-searching about, I think, how we get our message out. As President Obama said in that interview with Rolling Stone, I mean, working-class Americans, all these, they voted for Donald Trump. The Democratic Party is the one who has done so much for them. Republicans oppose almost everything that would help them. But somehow, we didn't make people aware of that, you know? And and I think the Democratic Party started looking too much like the Republican Party. One of the things that Tim Ryan has said, which is maybe sensitive to you and me, is that the Democratic Party became a coastal party, East Coast and West Coast, and all those people in between. You know? We're
0: hearing that from some of our Midwestern colleagues. And, and you know, part of it is that they feel marginalized. They're losing numbers, yeah. uh, they're starting yeah. to drop uh, states to, uh, to the, the Donald Trumps of the world that they never would have in the past. Right. So they're very frustrated. So
1: I think the Democratic Party could look at, get back to really being the party of middle class, working class America, get that message out there, improve our messaging. And also, um, you know, just the process too. I mean, I happen to think that caucuses are as undemocratic as you can get, and we really ought to examine those. I think personally closed primaries are undemocratic, or at least maybe not, but they, they, don't, they don't serve to bring new people into the party. In New York, for example, you have to register six months ahead of time. And so all those young people and people coming back into, they can't do it even if they want to, right? So, so we've set up some processes which also prevent us from being the party that we really, the all-inclusive party that we should be. And to that sense, The loss on November 8 is an opportunity to really re-energize the party, rebuild the party, and reinvent the party almost. But back to who we really
0: should be. BILL PRESS, uh, thank you so much for being the first guest on my first podcast ever. Uh, I hope we can have you back sometime again.
1: There's only one way to go up, and that's up from here, right? (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Jared. Great to see you.
0: Thank you. All right, before we launched uh, Off the Cuff, we put out a request on Facebook for folks to submit questions that you wanted me to answer or issues you wanted to hear my thoughts on. It's something that I plan to do regularly, and it could be a question about me or something happening in the district, Washington, whatever you want. Each episode, I will go through and pick out some good ones, and I'll answer them. So the first question comes from Steve from Fairfax. Steve points out that we just suffered through seven years of a Congress, a Republican Congress devoted to gridlock, uh, and that they succeeded both politically and electorally by resisting anything President Obama or Democrats suggested. And Steve asks, how can we get back on track uh, when the best political strategy from that experience seems to be being the party of no? Well, Steve, I have never subscribed to this belief that the best way for Democrats or any p- responsible political party should be to just resist and obstruct the other side for the sake of obstruction. Uh, So let's uh, be very candid about this question as we head into a new Congress with President-elect Donald Trump and Republicans in charge of both branches of Congress. I believe I and my fellow Democrats will give President Trump something that Republicans in Congress did not give President-elect Obama, and that is, we will give him a chance to succeed. If he wants to work with us on things like bringing more fairness to the tax code, he's said he wants to eliminate the carried interest loophole, for example. Um, that would be great. We'll work with him on that. If he wants to put an honest infrastructure package on the table that isn't a bunch of corporate tax giveaways, that actually does produce jobs and generate new, important public infrastructure, that's something we could work together on, and he could have some wins that would be bipartisan, but I want to just be very candid and clear-eyed about the rest of the story because there is every reason to believe from things that President-elect Trump has said in the past and from some of these people he's beginning to appoint to very important positions that we're going to have some huge battles ahead. And I, uh, I want to be realistic about that. If he follows through on some of the extreme things that he's talked about, Muslim registries, Uh, rounding up millions of people and tearing families apart uh, through a new deportation force. Any number of these things, singling out uh, refugees for unfair treatment. I'm going to throw everything I've got into fighting him, and I think I have to. That's not being the party of no. That's standing up for core values. So as your congressman, you have my promise that Uh, I will give this new president uh, and this new Congress a reasonable chance to succeed in areas where we can work together. But I am going to fight with every fiber of my being against any form of discrimination and ugliness, uh, against targeting vulnerable populations, scapegoating immigrants, trying to roll back our progress on clean energy and the environment and climate leadership. These are not academic political differences. These are core values. These are absolute critical areas of progress that I have to fight to defend. So I hope that answers your question, Steve. Well, that is all the time we have for this week's show, but there's plenty more coming in the future. So if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to address on this podcast, please let me know. Just send an email to huffmanpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's huffmanpodcast at gmail.com. From all of us on Team Huffman, this is Jared Huffman wishing you all the best. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Off the cuff is produced by Marin's own Tales Untold Media. Our music is also local, provided by Temp Love. Don't miss out on future episodes of Off the Cuff. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for Off the Cuff with Jared Huffman.